0: The Sunday Major is back to the USA. America's Card Room is kicking off 2018 with a Texas Hold'em-sized bang that could change your life. Beginning January 7th, America's Card Room is hosting the biggest Sunday major on the planet with one million and one dollars on the table every week. Yes, one million dollars guaranteed. Forget about just one time to change your life. The one million dollars guaranteed tournament is happening weekly, all for just $265 a pop. For all the info, check out americascardroom.eu.
1: Okay, welcome to Ask Alex, episode 167 on the OneOuter.com podcast, sponsored by AmericasCardroom.com. If you want 27% rate back from AmericasCardroom.com, simply sign up for your account by clicking on one of the ads or banners on the OneOuter.com website. Follow us on Twitter at OneOuter.com and join the Facebook group Facebook.com/groups/OneOuter. This episode and all other previous episodes are on the OneOuter.com website and via iTunes for free. If you want to send questions in for Alex on a future show, please email questions at oneouter.com or tweet them or post them in the Facebook group. Alex, episode 167,
2: how are you? Good, happy to be here. How are you doing, Barry?
1: Yeah, I'm good, I'm good. Um, I was talking with Alex before we started recording and my Skype was updating, as was my computer, and... I take bad because me and Alex have joked about how I still record the podcast on my old laptop, which is a Windows laptop, and I've said, oh, I need to get software for the Mac, and I've looked into it, and just, you know, it's one of these things, it's it's quite interesting, but the software I use, there is a Mac version of the editing software, but not a Mac version of the recording software, and then I've read reports of the recording software on the Mac and stuff, and it's like one of these horrible if it's not broke don't fix it type things but Alex will tell you I do moan around quite often about having to drag this old laptop out I just I don't know what do you use Alex Is your current computer is it Windows or Mac uh,
2: I have Windows I just got a new laptop with an SSD drive at a micro center is what I think they call it here in New York it's uh really cheap uh, computer store Mm. and yeah it was 550 dollars or something it's just whip fast it's amazing i think if i got it at best buy or something it'd be 950
1: yeah
2: a thousand or something like that but yeah the the technology is pretty cheap here in the states. so i figured i might as well invest but it's a little more pricey out there in scotland right well
1: it's not just that it's a complete Totally, for me, I used to be PC, PC, and now I'm Mac. My main computer's a MacBook, and I use an iPhone, and it's true. It's Well, I'm one of these people, like, once you go Mac, you never go back. Because when I drag this Windows PC, I don't know what current Windows running is like, but every so often there's these, like, updates and restarting and this, and... Seriously, when I put the MacBook on, it just works. There's none of that. There's no updates. There's no... If it is, it does it in the background and it doesn't slow your computer down or restart you or anything. I mean, it's... The only time I've had to restart anything with updating is, like, installing new software on the Mac and then, you know, you restart it and that's it. But just Windows, when I see this pop-up and that pop-up, and, oh, I just... I don't know. I'm one of these people that... I think it's one of, it, like, user-friendly-wise... I definitely think once you get used to it, Macs are better. But I think more technical guys that are maybe doing bits and pieces and need a little bit more sort of open source stuff they can use than Windows definitely because Macs kind of uh, like iPhones, you know, certain things you just can't open it on or you can't use it. And But then saying that, people buy Macs and then run Windows on it, which you can do now as well, which to me
2: would defeat the purpose of
1: the updates and stuff i think it's windows i hate now not pcs
2: uh i pretty much hate everything having to do with apple so i don't (laughs) uh you you said you like iphones right yeah it's very funny to me the iphone is shaped like a bar of soap like if it cost them eight if it cost them eighty dollars every time someone broke their iphone do you think it would be designed that way (laughs) uh, <laughs> absolutely, I I've had two iPhones in my life, both of which I hated with a passion. Uh, both of what the first one I got the first iPhone because that was how you showed everybody you were a paid poker player when you were two thousand nine. Hated the damn thing. Uh, it was fun to play play around with a little bit. Then, uh, uh, my wife at the time got me an iPhone and I hated that damn thing too. Uh, not because she got it for me, but because it was a bad phone. I was going <laughs> to say the wife for the iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, could, I, I was I was trying to deflect the smart-ass mm-hmm. comment, but okay, we got there anyway. And, uh, nah, she was fine. The phone was fine. And uh, it just, the damn thing always died. I, it'd be like, oh, it's time to take a cool photo of this. And then, oh, it's out of memory. It, you're like, Up, you use the phone, 12% off your battery. And I'm thinking it's pretty amazing they found a way to put a camera in a phone along with every app in the known universe in a GPS system, but they can't figure out how to make the damn thing last seven hours during a day, right? Like somehow the battery just always craps out exactly after two years. And that, didn't they admit that everything gets slower because they purposefully slow down yeah, things? Yeah, I read something like that, yeah. I'm with you on yeah. the phone. I think if someone forced me to
1: try an Android or HTC or Google phones, one of these, I think after a while I'd be fine and I'd enjoy it and I'd see benefits, etc. It's it's more creatures of comfort. I think humans are like that. and I've not had any real bad experiences touch food with the iPhone, you know my old one I dropped it once in the screen shattered, and I had to fix that but I know people that have done it's funny you say like a bar of soap like that but um, the, apart from that, the storage thing yeah I agree, I had to f- I had to actually install Google images app, move all my images to there take them off the phone, you know to free up storage and yeah I don't like that sort of aspect of it, I'm, I'm 100% with you on that with the iPhone
2: I'm looking forward to Apple not being a big player in 10 years. You heard it here first. I just, I, I, the number of people I hear who hate their iPhones with a passion. And there's so many Samsung products that are the same damn thing. I have a hundred dollars Samsung phone right now. I swear this does everything my old iPhone did, right? Like I'm sure if I upgraded to the new iPhone, I'd have a couple features, but is it worth a thousand dollars? Definitely not. I, no, absolutely not. And okay, the Macs. Like I'll I'll give them this. The Macs are really good if you're a creative person. I've seen Final Cut Pro and stuff like that back when I was into that kind of thing. God, that was ten years ago. That that was probably a really dated reference. But uh, it, when I see my friends who are into design, it seems as if the Macs are pretty neat. But yeah, I have no idea how this poker podcast got onto a PC versus a Mac discussion, Barry. But once again, we are the worst po- podcast in the universe. No, so no. We, we well, did or the
1: best, depending on how you look
2: at it. Are know? the best. Are the best. <laughs> I think the less people poker think, talk, sometimes people are happy with. So people, people like this podcast because, well, people get people keep asking me because yeah, okay, we do get something nominal from America's card room. And we are one of very few podcasts that gets paid. And then people, people always do this with uh, me, which is how did you get a paid podcast? Because I didn't know this Barry, but apparently that's really difficult to do, which, but I think you and I only ever focused on the product. I think we only focused on, let's have something interesting to say. Let's have interesting conversations which, let's be honest, we have a natural advantage in this department because the American and Scottish psyches are so different, and it plays off the different accents. There's the perspective of the guy who's still in the poker industry versus the guy who's out of it. And uh, life perspective and whatnot, I'd like to think you and I worked on in our free time. And I'd like to think that while we don't work on the audio quality is fine, while we've never souped it up by having bumper intros and stuff like that, what we have worked on is what I think the audience really cares about, which is we've tried to change how we speak. We've tried to remove crutch words. We've tried to re- move things along. And we've tried to make sure the c- content is where it needs to be. We, When you watch ESPN, that is a product. There is a certain way they speak. It is the best way to... Get your message across if you are going to be discussing something in a competitive arena. And it's very interesting to me. Many times when I hear poker discussed, it's in this minutia-laden prose that is used, I think, to confuse the average listener in a way of saying, if you can't understand this, then you just don't get me. Look how smart I am. And I think that might be the absolute worst way to bring poker to the masses. Whereas if you listen to Mike Sexton, Mike Sexton is just, to me, the godfather of poker broadcasting. He is excellent in regards to bringing very complex subjects to the general person and being able to explain it in a manner that makes it very understandable. And I think, if anything, we've worked very hard on this. You've given me your translations of what you think I'm saying, which a lot of times exposes my blind spots. Over the years, I've done so much work in coaching. I know what my blind spots are going to be, so I've worked on changing my language so the average person can understand it. And I think when you focus on that part of the product, pretty much every chief content creator, anybody who's made good money at content creation can tell you, you can sit in your lab for as long as you want and buy every... I've known men like that. Just have every piece of software you can imagine. Every little gizmo that could possibly give them whatever noise that they could want to create are sh- video studios. I've seen that too. And they just don't have the product. They don't have something interesting to say. And I think that's what is really going to hold you back when you're trying to work in media.
1: Yeah. It's the saying that uh, all fur coat and no knickers comes to mind.
2: That's in, uh, what do we say? We, we have almost the same phrase uh, where my family's from. He's all hat, no cattle. Right, right, yeah. So, Same thing, yeah, right? Just about. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the
1: podcast for me, as to say, I started interviewing just the poker players I could get on. And for my own, like... I would want to read an interview in a magazine or hear an interview on a podcast like this, so I'm going to do it myself, go out and do more of them. Because there was a few kicking about, but it was harder to find these 40-minute, 50-minute in-depths. It was usually just some podcast would have them on for 10 minutes, and it would be about a book they were selling or the latest tournament win, and there wasn't much said, and I wanted to go really into sort of, how they got there to kind of like reverse engineer them and and do it that way. Mm. And that's how I started. But I've been quite fortunate in terms of monetizing the podcast. I mean, I had Poker X Factor and then um, Genting Casinos, which back then it was, yeah, it was Genting, still called Genting then as well. And then also William Hill and then America's Cardroom. So I've been quite fortunate. But that's something I've pursued as well purely because I am commercial, yeah, commercially minded and thinking, well, I've got something here. I've got listeners and active listeners that sort of interact and stuff. So, yeah, go out and get, get some cash for it. Um, the,
2: the way I've always put it, I've done this speech many times, which is I've, do, I've told people, look, I didn't get in this to get rich, but I didn't get in this to get other people rich. So I it, we I I will work for free. I have worked for free more than anyone else, but if there's anything you want to bring on, I need to be compensated fairly because it, it, it's just as if I asked you, would you roof... Uh, Barry, would you come roof my house for $10? No. You, you wouldn't do that, and there's a lot of that the thing about podcasting, it's just like teaching. They think if you enjoy it, you'll do it for free. And there's no America's card room. We've never had a problem with America's card room. Treats us really well. Everybody, everybody has always treated me really well because like you said, I know what my product is worth and I really focus on the product. So when I do get to do my own thing, I say, this is what I believe is fair compensation. There's a little room for negotiation, but that's it. And I think that only comes when you really focus on the product. Whereas there's a lot of times you hear of a band signing their first contract which just locks them in for fifty two albums and then they're never gonna get a cent from any of them. And I think well, a lot of times those guys sign those contracts because they know the product really isn't worth much. They, they they're gonna take whatever they can get. Whereas there's many people like KISS was always Uh, I'm not a fan of KISS at all, Uh, the music or the presentation or any of that. But KISS was always really good about their negotiation because they said, look, this is a product, right? This is a product that people really enjoy. This is what people like about rock and roll. They love the makeup. They love the costumes. They love the attitude. And you know what? When you go to a KISS show, you know exactly what you're going to get. And we have an audience that really appreciates that. So this is what we, we believe is fair compensation, and Gene Simmons has done much better than most of these guys that came into music at the same time. A lot of those guys are just living at the bus station because they didn't their pro- they didn't think their product was worth anything, even sometimes when it was. And, yeah, anyway, I feel like we should change the topic. What's going on with you, Barry? Get paid what you're, what you're owed and what you're worth. Yeah. That's
1: what it comes to. Don't be afraid to ask as well. Yes, sir. Uh, well, it's a good segue into some... The first email I'm going to read out is actually sort of like fan mail. So we love that um, from our, my, our loyal listeners. And this guy is the person who made the sort of index file for the Ask Alex show, showing all the episodes and breaking it up in terms of topics, etc. Like a big, huge database he created. And uh, he's since updated that and sent the filing as well. Um, so we'll—I'll maybe see about doing some of them with that, updating on the website. But there were going back to the technical issues without boring anyone. There was some problems with the site a few months ago, like sort of spyware, hacking type attempt things, and it was causing problems with the Google search. But I've since fixed all that and cleaned it up. And I'm just a bit wary about—I'm not saying this guy's like trying to infiltrate the site with a virus or that—but anytime there's new files and stuff up dated and uploaded my hosting provider kind of flags things and i think they're overly sensitive but anyway the letter is and it's dear barry and alex you have been my pals while commuting to work for over a year now thank you for that i never felt alone in the car and sometimes i was even happy to be in a traffic jam so that i could listen to one more episode of the ask alex podcast the other day while driving to work i was on episode one two three and heard that my name, Polk Rock, was mentioned, so I decided that it was time for an update to the Ask Alex podcast index and detailed list. And this is where the guy says he's went and created this new new file that's updated to you know, new episodes. Uh, hopefully once I complete my initial transition to the first world, Alex knows what I'm talking about. We are immigrating to Canada. You will be hearing more from me. I can even let my angelic voice be heard at one of your episodes if you like. Well, we don't know if you if you're quite getting on as a guest yet. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, I'm working on an Ask Alex bingo game. This is funny, Alex. Uh, yeah, it's
2: pretty funny. Current
1: keywords are: don't hate me, Alex. No plumbing. China. <laughs> uh, you know. Commercial fisherman. Fizzy juice. Let me get a sip of my coffee first. Diet. Sick. Uber Pinball Hall of Fame. I love you guys. <laughs> Cheers, Pokra. I
2: I feel like Pinball Hall of Fame only comes up in like seventy percent of our podcasts. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't, yeah. No, no mid- more mid- than that.
1: It's no more than seventy
2: <laughs> percent. So yeah, I thought that. Thanks
1: for the the work you've put in. I will um see about getting that file updated to the one that we've got at some point in the future. And thanks for the kind words. And I enjoyed that. That was funny. The the bingo we. We like the listeners interacting like that and uh, I think I said a few episodes ago, wow, good few episodes now, since I moved house, I got loads of poker books I want rid of, so I'm definitely going to run some sort of giveaway or something, I'm just deciding what to do, how to do it the fairest way, because a lot of people are still episodes behind you know what I mean, like I, I get people emailing in that are on episode 85 and 96 because and, not everyone's got the time to like blast through them every week and then I've got other people that are, that were tweeting me, and this guy was literally just discovered the podcast a few months ago, and he's up to episode 40-something, you know, so he's listened to, like, 40-odd hours of of the show
2: catching up, so... And at least 400 F-bombs.
1: Yeah, yeah, so I'm going to do something in terms of, like, maybe in the group or something, if I can try and, although Facebook sometimes trying to get proper, like, eyeballs seeing things is, is difficult, but... I'm definitely going to give away a load of the poker books that I've read and will never read again, uh, or ones that I've got duplicates of, like I've been sent from publishing houses and stuff like that. So uh, I'm going to give them away. I'm looking at one just now, Gus Hansen, Every Hand Revealed. That was quite a cool book. It that was, was, a, good, book. That was yeah. a good one. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. That, uh, in 2010, I, people don't believe me when I tell them this, but there was a time you were not allowed to call from the big blind. People thought that was just a terrible play. And I read, b- skimmed that book because that's just how I am. I, I don't, I, my, I'm always going a little too fast. Pro- probably I could get a little bit more out of my life if I slowed down. But I was skimming that book and I got to a bunch of hands where he played from the big blind. It's funny, there's one he goes, I called with nine two. I don't know why. But there's uh, most of them. He would say, "Well, I thought the pot odds were such as that," and I noticed he was planning things for the flop. And then I thought, "This all makes a ton of sense. Why? Why don't we do that?" And then I I started asking people, well, Why do? Why don't we call from the big blind?" And then people would just go, "Cause it's bad." Mm. And anytime, anytime somebody just asks me to blindly believe something, whether it's the church or a political party or anything and that always really gets on my nerves. Right. And, it, but by the way, I, I am a Christian before any of my Christian listeners think I turned on the church. I'm just saying there are, Blasphema. there is, <laughs> uh, yeah, blasphemy. No, but you know what I mean, Barry? Like yeah, no, every to. political party is like, follow our line and don't question it. And that just bugs me. we, I'm going to, by the way, guys, I'm going to offend everybody in the United States here. We have two parties right now in the United States. As you as you may have heard, both of our parties are completely insane, by the way. As you may have heard, we're having a little debate about con- gun control because uh, we had another school shooting. Great. Good debate to have. Unfortunately, we're just trying to kill each other over this debate, which I would think kind of defeats the entire purpose, which I th- I thought we were trying to stop the hatred and the the violence and whatnot, but all we want to do is get into a little civil war over this. And one side of it, Barry, this is wildly off topic, but I I have to share this because you all are driving me insane. One, One side of the spectrum, the conservative side, is we need guns to rise up against this government in case they ever get tyrannical. But don't you dare kneel during the national anthem. And the other side is, the police are disgusting, racist, white supremacist pigs, and only they should have weapons. Like, I don't understand either side. But yeah, anytime somebody tells me specifically, this is the way you should think, and don't ever question it, that always really really rubbed me the wrong way, like the entire time I was growing up as well. I it, I just never got into fads at school or anything either because I knew they'd be there today, gone tomorrow, like Pokemon cards or Tamagotchis or any of that crap. Mm-hmm. And then the cool thing about poker is it'll reward you because I started saying, well, I think all these people are wrong. I think Gus Hansen is right. I think I can call here and I can see what happens. And then, bam, I started making money. So those books are valuable, Barry.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I think they're great. And there's some other ones there I've got that interest, interesting. Some of the more sort of tales, high-stakes gambling tales and stuff. So, Doyle Brunson, etc. So, I'll definitely give some of them away at some point. I just need to think how I'm going to do it. Probably just be a simple like and share on Twitter or something. and Rather than get anybody to do anything really creative or it takes a lot of thinking for. because uh
2: that, that puts a <laughs> lot isn't too into thinking right
1: <laughs> now no I am but it puts a lot of other people in I to be fair I'm trying to save myself from the emails of oh can I do this or this way or that way I think it's easier to just say like and share this on Facebook or Twitter and then that way it gets the site a bit of coverage as well so I think that's the this the, is the, true the best way to do it but no going back to your point there about it, it's interesting because if you, believe, if you think about it, where you are in your life now is because how, informa- again, when we talked about you live your life, life's lonely, you only live it through your lens. You'll only ever know how you perceive things because of all your previous experiences and learnings and everything that's ingrained into your mind and as a being, the way you react to certain things, etc. You'll only ever do that in that way. You know exactly that way. You've had that exact upbringing, etc. That's why you know when every when you say everyone's unique, they're unique in that way. And what's strange is if you just go through life and you question something, even if you stop and question your own behaviour or your own actions, go well, why do I think that's wrong, or morally wrong, or Right, right. That's why it gets really if you go back, you go well. Who told me that? Okay, it was my mum. Okay, right. Well how is my mum or why is my, what makes my mum super qualified in that area or that topic, you know, to tell me that. And before you know it, you've, your whole life's bullshit. I'm joking. <laughs> your, your, your whole <laughs> life is based on basically your education. It comes down to education from school, university, however far you went, but also probably more importantly your home life education and your upbringing, the way you were brought up. And you can get to 30 years old and go, oh my God, like I think that about this group of people, or I act this way because of that, or, you know, I'm a bit of a hypochondriac, or or whatever it is. And nine times out of ten, it's people who brought you up. So it's your parents, or siblings, or auntie, or gran, or whoever had influence on you in your formative years. And before you know it, it's like, well, when you do your own research, as Alex has said, never we take all that for granted you know when you're a child if your mum or dad tells you something that's it that that is gospel you know it's like you got Um, no one else to tell uh to sort of go on and that they're your uh carers and looking after you and your providers so how would you ever doubt them and on each end of the spectrum you've got serial killers who were told by their mums and dads that this group of people are scum and you should do this and you know, like there was people I was at school with Alex. Like one of them just died recently. A guy, and he had four brothers or something. And like they were uh, in jail for various degrees of violence and attempted murder, etc. And like, what chance did the guy have? You know, like when people say, "Okay, well, etc." But that's an extreme event. And on the other end of the spectrum, you've got a guy that thinks, "Well, maybe." Stealing this from work is okay because my dad did it or I heard my dad do it when I was younger, you know, coming home from work with something. I'm just picking a, you know, a more mild misdemeanor, but morally different people. It's all morals in your sort of lens, again, to use that word that you're going through life. It's all built on something else has told you, you know, like some other human being has said to you along the way that makes you think that way. And when you stop to question your own actions and your own beliefs and behaviour, I think that's when you go down a rabbit hole. Because as an adult, if you know how to research and read up yourself and do your own critical thinking, even on yourself, it becomes, I think it can become really constructive. um, But also it can become disruptive for some people. Because you might just have an epiphany that like shit, like, you know, I love my mum or I love my gran or whoever it was, but them doing that or saying that was responsible for me acting that way about that area in my life for the last 20 years or whatever. And I'm not saying yep. that your parent or your grandparent did it out of badness or that was what they'd been taught by their parents, etc. And it's like this chain that goes down humanity in the families and... Again, it can be positive things, negative things, but it's it's quite it's quite scary when you think. How do you get here to this place in your mind and what you're thinking and how you process, and it's all just upbringing. It's it's that nurture, isn't it? It's it's that you know it's nurture over nature, definitely.
2: This is really strange, Barry. You brought up something that I've really been working on a lot lately. And it's, it's really weird because this week I've gotten really into it. Mm. Uh, well, okay, when I lived in uh, Costa Rica and I was doing some business in Texas, most of the people I met were pretty conservative. And they, were, they were fine people. Uh, just, but just just like any group has their nuts, there's, uh, there's the right-wing Republican nuts, Right. And there were sometimes I'd listen to some of these people talk and I go, these people are out of their damn mind. Mm -hmm. Right? Then I moved to New York and New York is, dear God, do they wish they were Europe? Right? They uh, just high taxation, very liberal, uh, stuff like that. And sometimes when I listen to these people, I go, these people are nuts. Right? And I realize, though, when I'm listening to these people, there's things I believe with each of them, but not all of them. And I did start going through this process, which was, well, why do I, I believe in this, but not this. And I just kept going back and I realized, yeah, there was one thing with my parents, uh, kind of a personal topic. So I'm not really going to talk about it here, but something that I believed. And if I, I traced it all the way back to it was something my parents it was something my parents demonstrated right and I I couldn't it was very strange to realize like this thing that I saw when I was young had changed the first 30 years of my life like you said you literally said you can become 30 years old and I went wait a minute that's me mm-hmm. I went well the thing that was really... Interesting to me is uh I started meditating. One of the weirdest things I did was I started meditating on the subway because I have a long ride between Newark, New Jersey to Queens where my girlfriend is if I'm going to see her on the weekends. And I started just on that. I, w- I didn't consider it meditating, but what I would do is I I would just I'd kind of check out on the subway, I think the rhythm of the subway really can lull you to a different place, and if it's just perfectly quiet, and you can really get into a different state of being. And for the first time ever, I was able to watch my thoughts cross, my 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 mental space. I, I, I don't know how you would put that. Mm-hmm. For the mm-hmm. first time ever, I was able to track my thoughts, and I could hear my subconscious thoughts, very and that was the weirdest thing I'd ever... Because I've always been able to kind of tap into that with poker, which is, okay, subconsciously, what am I dying to do right now, right? And it was really good to be able to hear that because maybe I think in thinking fast and slow, they call it uh, System 1 or System 2. Like, System 1 wants this, System 2 wants that. There was whatever was at the front of my mind would say, G- gamble with this mother effer, right? And, uh, but then there'd be a little voice in the back that went, come on, you know what good poker is, buddy. Mm-hmm. And, but I, I could never really hear it till the time I got to 30, right? And Barry, I started paying attention to this little voice. And Barry, it was the most defeatist crap I had ever heard in my life. And I realized th- my work ethic is because I'm running from that voice Mm -hmm. that work ethic is telling me you're a loser like every single day. And I know who exactly that comes from. I know what exactly that comes from, but I didn't think it was still a part of me. Right. I didn't think I'm a, I'm a six foot male. Most people defer to me more than they should. I I've done pretty well in life. Things are good for me. Uh, I have a beautiful girlfriend. I have a job. I love, I thought there was no part of me that still had this existing. And then, anyway, I began fighting that like three or four months ago, reading everything I could, going to therapy, or not even three or four months ago, like six or seven months ago, changing my diet, uh, working out a lot more. I noticed working out would kind of deaden it. But it was still there. And the the weirdest thing, Barry, what helped me, is uh, and I used to think they were such BS but affirmations really helped me. Mm-hmm. And I think I think why affirmations work it's not I don't believe that like the universe like connects the dots and brings things to you or any of that crap. But I think what happens is many of us have this really negative voice that actually creates many of our value judgments. And I think if you just replace that voice with something else, it's uh I think it really helps, and affirmations always piss me off, because they're the antithesis of who I am, right? I like, uh... I like like hardcore punk, which is very, like... If anybody's ever listened to Hatebreed, a lot of the songs are very much about fighting and getting through things and stuff like that. That resonated with me, but that still comes from a defeated stand. Uh, That still comes from the idea that you are defeated and you are rising up again, which still means you are defeated. So listening to someone saying, you know, good things happen to me. That that just seemed so preposterous to me. But then I went back and I went, why do I believe that? Why is it so bad to say things like, I want money in my life? I used to think that was a filthy thought. I used to think that was a bad thought. And I realized I was surrounded by so many people that were just defeatist. Yeah. that were just, yeah. the reason we're poor is because rich people exploit us and nothing good ever happens to everyone i've always rejected that but it's still a part of you at some point if you grew up speaking one language it's going to be very difficult at age 22 to shift to another language and being fluent in it and there is a language to success every single successful person i know has the exact same value system has the exact same work ethic has the exact same respect for their family members and for their significant other. It's all the exact same stuff. There is a language to it. There is an idea behind it. There is an education level that will help you retain wealth And all of this is foreign to me. I'm learning about all of this now. And what's really depressing to me is the more I've become aware of this, it's like seeing into the matrix. You see how everybody chooses to be a victim. And you just, it's so hard to not be judgmental because it just becomes their thing. Like everything is such a pain in the ass. Everything is about to break me. Everything is just, and I always want to say, you're not living in the Serengeti with Coke bottles as shoes. Mm. Like what, what, what you, you are in the richest country. It's really, I'm not going to lie. It really blows my mind in the United States. Coming back to the United States I was outside of the United States for 10 years. People have no idea how good they have it here. They have no idea. And just the amount of things people in this country find to complain about never ceases to amaze me. It's just, and I feel like everybody is just sitting at their desk. They They don't value physical fitness at all, which in a way is really cruel. If you imagine putting a dog in a box all day, and then taking it out after 10 hours, that dog is going to destroy your apartment. That dog is going to be rowdy. You are just the human animal. People do not have respect for the human animal. Everybody's just eating like crap. They drink too much alcohol. They complain about everything. They never exercise. And they're so... You realize you manifest what you believe in your life. I had a... I had a discussion. I had a thought which turned into a negative comment that I made and it turned into a negative discussion I had with my girlfriend. And I realized this is affecting our relationship today. And that was a really eye-opening moment because I realized I have to control my thoughts. I used to always think I had to control my actions, right? If I work hard, if I pay my taxes, if I do the right thing, if I never lie, if I show up to every appointment on time, if I go 110%, it doesn't matter how I feel about myself because no one will know the difference. Stupid is as stupid does, as Forrest Gump's mom said, right? And I thought you can only control your actions. I, I thought that was all you could because every man has thoughts that they would not like to share with others. We all have things we are guilty about. and We all have rabbit holes we have to make sure we don't go down. But I always thought the rabbit hole was going to be there, and there was nothing you could do about it if you kept circling it. Now I'm realizing you have to actually reprogram yourself. Your mind, your value systems, like you said, were likely locked in place by your parents. Because think about it, when you're a child, your mom and dad are God to you. They are God. They are the provider. They are sustenance. They are con- they are c- conditional or unconditional love they are everything, and if they make mistakes, it is going to sit in you and your muscle memory for the rest of your life, and fighting that is a battle every single day, and like you were saying about your buddy, like, I used to play it up a lot, because it's like saying, like, yeah, my mother had problems with crack addiction, my father wasn't there for a long time, right, I, I used to play that up, because you know what, it's really fun saying you won the 50-yard dash with a sprained ankle, it that's that's really what it is right like look at me i'm special but the truth of the matter is my mom is a very loving woman she's a very good woman she encouraged me to read a great deal when i was younger she's now that she's sober she's the best mom i could ever have she calls me every day she wishes me good luck on everything she's always got a listening ear my father is a really good guy too if we were hanging out you Barry and my father my father's a bit of a different guy but he's a good guy Right, And he introduced me to athletics. He taught me about work ethic. He really taught me about work ethic. He did one of the nicest things anyone's ever done for me, which is he didn't coddle me. He was a good, which I honestly thank him for to this day. He had the money to take care of me when I turned 18, but he made me do it myself, which was really important. And he told me, he told me on the phone, he said, I'm not going to do it for you. You're going to have to do it yourself. When I was 12 years old, he was giving me jobs to work on his boat's. Right. I worked on boats in not in Tijuana, San Diego. I went to Tijuana when I was 12, but I was I worked on boats in San Diego when I was 12 years old. He gave me that kind of work ethic and it set me up for success. Your friends, you know, even if my parents made mistakes, they're not bad people. Right. Your friends, your your friend who was in and out of prison or his fr- his the other pe- his brothers were in in and out of prison. Imagine what they. Imagine if your parents are just evil. What you go through. Yeah. If your parents like put out cigarettes on you, like how bad that is, right? Like, do you even have a chance? Like, is there a chance? Can you can you make it? And I don't mean like, oh, if somebody kills somebody, give him a twenty-one years in a Norwegian prison and a PlayStation Four because a PlayStation Three would be cruel and unusual punishment. I don't mean that. You have to punish them because you have no other choice. But what chance do these people have? That's
1: the thing. And I think what's scary about it is I know people who are defined by it and also who use it as a crutch, like you said, or use it as a badge of honor. And then I know other people that have been through real, real traumas and they never mention a word of it. And you would never know. It's a it's a cliche and I hate, it's, it, I think it's actually disrespectful to people to say, oh, you would never know that about that person, the way they live their life. It's like, you don't want to say that to these people because they're like, well, of course you shouldn't because it's not affected me, you know. I'm talking about serious trauma, like violence and abuse as kids that people have, right. you know, have experienced. And the thing is, it's like, it just comes down to, again, I think self-awareness is, is crucial And to try and, this has turned into a little bit of a on the couch with Barry and Alex
2: session. Uh, (laughs) People love these episodes. I get so many emails about these episodes, Barry. Let's do it. But I would definitely say that
1: self-awareness and just watch Like you say, watch your thoughts and go, why do I think that? Why do I act that way? It's through years of conditioning and beliefs. Like you say, you believe stuff and act certain ways because you don't even know that it's sort of conditioned so in your psyche and uh, now that some of it's good some of it could probably do with an examination by yourself and looking into it and i think it's as simple as like you say taking time for yourself reading up online maybe talking to someone whether it's therapy except you know and when i say therapy it doesn't mean like there's anything wrong with you but just like certain areas of your life that you struggle with uh, maybe go and talk to someone about it and see why you feel you act that way, or why this is a battle in your life again, or you feel like you know it's back again, sort of thing. Because, like you say, negative talk is um, a thing that people do go through, and you don't realise it. It's just different levels of volume in various people's uh, heads, you know, for want of a better term. And some people just go along with it, and some people act in spite of it but I, I definitely think mindfulness and meditation and is good for everything uh all all, all the sort of subjects we've touched on i think it, i think that's a healthy thing that people should be looking at and i noticed a uh, haral boss uh, vulgaris on twitter haral bob who used to be on high stakes poker now and again uh, a really fascinating guy i always enjoy his tweets and any interviews and stuff he's done and he was doing one of these ask me anything's on twitter and he said it a few times. The thing that he wished he'd known at nineteen in practice, is meditation. Uh he said it's a complete game changer. Mm-hmm. So, um if it's good enough for her, Bob, it's it's good
2: enough for me. Agreed, and one thing, one last thing before we answer some questions. Find someone who challenges you on your crap. I got I was really lucky lucky there's a site called betterhelp.com, I think is what it's called. And it's $180, and you can get three or four one hour calls with a real therapist the entire month, which is a really good deal if you're broke. And it'll, I was lucky enough, I was just in different parts of the country, and I couldn't commit to a regular therapist. And I got this guy who just called me on my crap constantly, Barry. And it was just so nice because you realize, oh, I'm defending. I am creating this. I am making these limitations, and that I, which means I can also break them, mm-hmm. right? Instead of going like, wow, I've, co- I've constricted myself for 10 years with this. How about you have the power to change this at any time? Fine. And I think that's also really po- important in interpersonal relationships. My, my girlfriend is the world's greatest at calling me on my crap. I have never... If there were an Olympic event for making me realize my blind spots, like, she would win the gold every time. Mm -hmm. And that's really... I mean, honestly, that's why I'm attracted to her, is just her wherewithal and her intelligence in regards to life and how she can just totally expose something that I can use to BS myself and BS 10 others with, and I don't even realize is a blind spot. And I find surrounding yourself with people... And the other thing is finding people who are older than you. That's I'm really lucky to have a lot of students who are, like, in their 60s and 70s. When those guys talk, you guys have heard me talk about database management quite a bit. Those guys have the greatest database of days lived that you're ever going to consult. And if you talk to 20 or 30 of them, you can put all of them together. And if they all say the same thing, you pay attention to it. Right. And then any, anyhow, let's get into some poker questions, Barry.
1: Yeah, let's, let's do it. Um, we, we didn't intend to go off on these tangents, but we're, I'm actually, I did. I'm doing, yeah, Alex did. I'm doing disrespect to actually because they're not tangents, it's actually life. And I think stuff like that, whether you want to believe it, you know, Alex says the universe connecting the dots and that. I think when we talk about topics like that, that are a little bit deeper, um, it is what makes this podcast different. And I think Alex uh, or myself need that sometimes. And then by default, I think some listeners as well. And we also, every time we've done episodes like this, we get emails and myself and Alex personally, and it's people who don't want to be read out on the show and stuff, but they say, like, thanks for talking about that and it's helped them with such and such. So yeah, that's good. There's no apologies for these tangents. Uh, that's self defeatist talk. That's negative
2: talk. Uh, <laughs> ah, that's why you make the big yeah. box berry. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm not
1: apologising. Yeah, so. Uh, <laughs> uh, Alright, this question is from Ryan. Oh, come on, Ryan, get a grip. You know what? <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're emailing in a poker show for help. You're pathetic. Yeah. No, I'm joking. Uh, Right, okay, Ryan. Um, Ryan says, hey, can you offer some advice for taking my bankroll to the next level? I'm stuck at around the 5k mark and have been for 10 months now. Large break-even spells, playing 100 NL and some MTTs, both live and online. I'm not asking for a magic pill that gives me a big my upswing or crush.
2: That was an awful time to stop.
1: Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't read it though. It was like, gives me a big uh, upswing or crush 100 NL for tons in a weekend.
2: Everybody who's open to junk spam email filter had a different word yeah. coming after that. All right. Uh, looking, All right. Looking more for overall money management strategy
1: to get to the five figures, and then I'll evaluate then. Thank you. Sorry, Barry. <laughs> I will not have you take the show to the gutter. I will...
2: <laughs> I, don't mind I didn't say anything. Time. I didn't say anything. You're thinking it. That means you thinking it. <laughs> I didn't say nothing. Anyway, uh, anyhow. Well, if you want to take your bankroll to the next level, look, guys. There's the advice I give my friends, and then there's the advice you want to hear. I'm going to give you the advice I'd tell my friends. You want to make money from this game? You know who the first I, – have I ever told – I think I've said this on a show, Barry. Tell me if you can answer this anecdote. Do you know who the first millionaire was in the California gold rush? I think we did it last week, actually.
1: The person that sold the <laughs> spades and buckets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it.
2: That shows my memory. You know, CTE isn't a thing with American football that I played for 10 years. But, yeah, anyway, uh, do you even know what CTE is, Derry? CTE? Is that the uh, injury, is it? A, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's like a succession Head of injury. micro-concussions. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, you know... Uh, we're having a big debate about that because, you know, our big, sport, our big sports in America are shooting people in another game where we slam each other's heads with helmet, right? helmets, right? So anyway, unfortunately, it seems both are very dangerous. Anyhow, we, uh, it's, the, the thing to me, if you want to get your bankroll to the next level, there's a 100 million poker players. If you can find something they need, that they'll pay for you can become a very wealthy person it's uh you want to be that chinese immigrant on the side of the road that everybody's probably thinking ah this guy's not going for the gold rush give me that shovel this is too cheap oh my god this guy's never going to make money you want to be that guy selling a million of those shovels right and uh that's if you want to really make money now if you want to get your bankroll to the next level Everybody always thinks, and you want to do it through playing, so let, let's talk about actually playing poker, uh, which, quite frankly, guys, is not going to make you the most money. I'll, ju- I'll just be honest with you. I love playing poker every day. Every day I play poker now. Every day. I love poker more than anything. I, I love this game. I probably love this game more than anybody listening, uh, but if you're trying to make money, this is not it. Like, this is, like, I love it. I love this game, but it's uh, it's so hard to get in enough hands. You know what I mean, Barry? Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's very difficult. So what, one thing I noticed when I was exclusively making money from cards is I always thought I had to play bigger and I had to play more aggressive, right? Like I had to do something. Because when you watch Michael Jordan on the court, man, is he going for the points, right? He's out there and he's going to win the damn thing. Poker is very strange because it's kind of the opposite, right? Which is the more disciplined you are, the more money you make. So if you can be disciplined over a number of tables, the more money you'll make. And if you can increase your edge on all those tables, the more money you'll make. Now, how do you do that? You move down. You move, like, if your average buying is like 50 bucks and you like eight table, try playing average buyings of 20s and playing like 12 tables if you can handle it. 14. That's what I would do whenever I wanted to build my bankroll. I had, I did a lot of things, Barry, that I did because I was very insecure about my poker game, which looking back now were really smart. And I realized I'm just stupidly lucky. But one thing I was talking about, this actually came up in one of my uh, lessons yesterday with a French pro, French player, fantastic player, right? He's done very well, right? I'm still cracking into his poker game, and it seems very solid, and he seems like a very disciplined uh, younger guy. Uh, he, uh, he, he's having a little bit of a hard time moving. He's trying to get his bankroll to the next level, and he's trying to move up to the higher stakes. And the, the thing I saw when I was going over his, uh, his results and I was going over his sessions and stuff like that, I said, You're playing the high stakes tournament. Along with uh, the low stakes tournaments at the same time, that's kind of confusing. Like, if you could you imagine if one day you had to play on the Portland Timbers and MLS, and then the next day you're on an AC Milan, you know, like it would be di- it would be weird, right? Because it's com- a completely different game. What about trying to do it all at the same time, right? It's, it's just a very different game. So what I would do is back when I was playing cards, when I was just obsessed, right. Not that I'm not obsessed now, but when I was even more obsessed, I would play. So if I was playing six days a week, five days of the week, I was playing 20s and 30s and 50s. And that was, I made six figures off of that before my 21st birthday. I was uh, actually well before that. I played 20s and 30s and 50s. I played uh, at night. A lot of times I played from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. Uh, I never played Sunday. I didn't play Sunday till I was like 19 years old, and a backer forced me to, because I pocketed a lot of the money from the 20s and 30s and 50s, and then I decided, okay, it's time to be a big poker player now. And then I took a backing deal I shouldn't have, just so I could play 10k's. And uh, but all the money was just playing like those 20s, 30s, 50s, playing a lot of tables, playing like very hard attacking style poker, but very, very positionally aware poker, right? Wasn't opening the twos, threes, fours, 6s under the gun, the ace-ten offsuit, the ace-jack offsuit, king-queen off. It was just dropping all of that, even even at under the gun plus two. Uh, we're talking like six max. I was very positionally aware, but that did not mean I was worried about doing the three bet. Uh-uh. Anytime I was worried about doing the three bet, my profits just cut off. So what I what I've always recommend to do if you really want to make money is an attacking style game, very focused on position. Uh, a lot of times I really loved six max because if you look at, I, I think my W coop win or one of my W cooper scoop wins was in six max. My, uh, my biggest online score ever, uh, the F tops final table was in six max. Uh, the, the one I finished third in back when full tilt was stupid. Big six max is just the greatest training ground to learn that attacking style game. Cause you just get put in cut off hijack button all the time and you're always able to exploit those who open too much from under the gun in that game. An attacking-style game, low stakes. Low stakes is really good, too, because you're unencumbered. You can just attack. You want to have it so the sweet spot in tournament poker, if you insist on playing tournaments, is the buy-ins aren't going to cost you that much. You're not going to worry about them, but the prizes might be something really substantial so if that's five ten twenty dollars that's fine because you can still win multi-thousand dollar prizes in in that case and then if you drop 200 bucks in a day hopefully you're of the peace of mind that you can let that go but i always said if you want to build your bankroll just learn to grind it out and a lot of it is just hours and hands played and the number of tournaments you can play and really standardize your process uh what that's one thing uh master tournament poker in one class the my new webinar that that is my standardized process when I'm playing against generic players or like ninety nine percent of the field falls under the field tendencies that we explore in that webinar, so if I'm playing a twenty or a thirty dollar tournament, I can just hammer them with that strategy constantly, whereas even if I throw in. Let's say there's like a 215 high roller on America's card room. I'm sure I'm 250 or 500, whatever it is. I'm sure I'm plus EV in that tournament, but I'm not very plus EV. That's going to make up most of my buy-ins for the day. And while I'm running and gunning in all these other tournaments, I have to pay really special attention in this one, which distracts from all the other smaller tournaments I'm playing. And it just ends up creating this mess. If you want to play high stakes, pick one day you're going to play high stakes uh make sure it's with money you can afford to lose and if you're trying to make money i would just say hammer it out standardize your process focus learn to use the hud learn to use positional uh learn to use positional advantages we talk a lot about it in the free video that uh Barry's going to post that you can check out after this that's on the one outer site and be sure to hammer it home
1: okay Okay, Alex, I know you're rushing off to do a lesson just now, and we had some technical difficulties. We had to reconnect to finish this episode, so we're grateful that we got that sorted. Alex, how can people get in touch with you to join your newsletter, um, information on upcoming webinars, etc.?
2: If you want to join my newsletter, go to pokerheadrush.com. There's a sign-up quadrant in the top right. And, uh, that's my, that's my blog, by the way. If you guys want to read trip reports, if you guys want to read book reviews, that seems to be a lot of what I'm doing lately these days is reading and playing poker live. So you can go ahead and check those two things out. Uh, my YouTube channel is Assassin Auto Coaching. Be sure to subscribe for that. You can check out the free video that we have up, uh, within this one outer, uh, link. And, yeah, you can sign up right there if you go to the YouTube site. And I put out free strategy videos on that uh, on that channel pretty much every week. Uh, this one this one took me a lot longer because it's an hour long, and it's a PowerPoint presentation with multiple hand histories and game film and stuff like that. <laughs> what I consider to be game film with the hand histories, right? Like, all right, now here, we're in this spot. We're going to do this. So, yeah, that, that one's the big one. Uh, over the last like, couple weeks. Be sure to check that out. You can follow me at Twitter at TheAssassinato. You can write me at Alex at com. Thank you guys for tuning in.
1: Okay. And keep your questions coming in for next week's show. Questions at oneouter.com on email. Or you can tweet them at oneouter.com. That's at O-N-E-O-U-T-E-R-D-O-T-C-O-M. Or post them in the Facebook group. Alex, thanks again for joining us this week. And we will see you next Thursday. Thanks for listening. Cheers.
0: Cheers. The Sunday Major is back to the USA. America's Card Room is kicking off 2018 with a Texas Hold'em sized bang that could change your life. Beginning January 7th, America's Card Room is hosting the biggest Sunday major on the planet with one million and one dollars on the table every week. Yes, one million dollars guaranteed. Forget about just one time to change your life. The $1 dollars guaranteed tournament is happening weekly, all for just $265 a pop. For all the info, check out americascardroom.eu.